Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Such a good day today. I I wanted to. I have a a little commercial that I'm going to start out with here in just a second, Vinton. But first, I wanted to read this Psalm 65. It says, "Oh God." You who answers prayer, all of humanity comes before you with their requests. I love in the passion because he said that the root word for prayer is like halal, but it's pala, which means tent peg. It says Jewish tradition views prayer or intercession as a means of attaching yourself to God. In the same way, a tent peg establishes a tent and fastens it securely. So, Pala prayer fastens the soul to God. Pala prayer is when you grab a hold of God and attach yourself to Him in surrender and humility. Hold on to God like a tent peg holds on to a tent. You know, I feel like that this is a season of... of joyful co-laboring with God in prayer. It's the best way I know to describe it. That, you know, honestly, we've got to move away from these begging, sorrowful prayers yeah. like all is lost. Yeah. You know, I want you mothers to come prepared on Sunday because God gave me a word for you. And I feel like that God wants to reestablish what is true in our lives, especially you mothers. I think that that you've got to begin to see yourself as the Holy Spirit. That's your little whistle moment <laughs> for Sunday, so come prepared. Um. Tonight, I wanted to start out with a fun little commercial from Dr. Margot. I've decided to call her Dr. Margot instead of Margaret Nagabi or whatever her name is. How do you say it? Nahigi Biggie. It's not that many syllables, I know, but it's N A G I B, whatever you can come up with that. When I see that, it just looks like a bunch of gibberish to me. Like those consonants and vowels don't make. But anyway, let's start out with this little picture she put on. And here it comes. Watch it. Nice sound effects. Let me read you a couple things before we put up the next one, maybe. It says, in life, there are many burdens, but there are also many blessings. Agree? Agree. I know you're probably going to think I'm going to tell you which one you're focusing on, but I'm not. It's during times of blessing or experiencing burden that we long to hear from our Creator the most. Agreed? Interestingly, these are also the times, she says, her clients say that they find it the most difficult to hear from God. During blessing and during burdens. There they are. One of my favorite quotes, Vinton's going to put it up there for us. 
is we only accept, believe. Uh oh, did I just cut out? We only, I'll just stay on this side. We only accept, believe, and surrender to information that's equal to our emotional state. That might take you a little while to wrap your little brain around that. That's why it's difficult if you're in a war with fear, chaos, torment, or you're overly excited and enthusiastic with blessing and craziness. It's really hard to hear in those times because there's an emotional component in operation, right? She said, this means it can be hard to receive what we need from God when our emotional state inhibits our ability to hear anything outside the reality it creates. Wow. Yeah. It's lots easier to talk about fear with this, but see, I experience extreme blessing. And that, you know that's why it's so important to... That's why I'm doing this commercial right now. It's really important to be really self-aware of your emotional condition. Let me say it another way, that God's an emotional God. Agreed? And so He made you in His likeness. Still agree? And so your emotions are a God design. Now, few of you were taught to utilize these emotions in conjunction with your gift, with your destiny. Most of those emotions run amok. Agreed? And they dictate women, especially special times of the month, (laughs) they dictate responses to things. Have you ever had a response emotionally to something that you didn't like? And then you did it again another time. Anybody ever done that? More than once, more than twice, more than three times, more than four times. Like it seems to keep happening, like in a circle. Agreed? The way to stop the cyclic circle reactions to things is to become aware of what's actually going on. You see, most of us were taught to push everything away. Right? Introverts and extroverts alike. But that's not why. Why would God give you something to be front and center just for you to spend all your energy and time pushing it away to where no one can experience it? It's meant to be refined and expressed. Remember what I said on Sunday, that your soul is meant to burn with passion, not burn up and be a blit, blit There's that word again. That one. Obliterated? Obliterated. And it sounds like a bunch of marbles again. So she, she gives us four little suggestions. Here's some suggestions how to connect with God when it feels difficult. How many feel like they could use more emotional healing, therefore our responses become more in line with what we want? Right? How many feel like they're good? They don't need any additional healing in the emotional area. Well, great. You're all candidate then for this little exercise. I'm giving you a little tool. You know, you don't have to use any of these tools. 
But you know what's weird is that when everybody else is using the tools, they're they're like going, why why are you not like? Did you just like get out of line or right? I mean, there's an expectation in the house, right, in the culture, and when something comes out, right, then we try to begin to partner with it because we have learned that the Kairos moment of God brings with it a special anointing to change. Right? So she said, take the pressure off. Set with God to just be and receive good things he has for you. Can you do that? How many set with God to accomplish something? You don't have to raise your hands. I know you do. (laughs) You know, sometimes I just sit there for a minute just to see what happens. Don't need to ask him anything. You know, I remember the first time I decided to quit petitioning for everything I could think of. Quit machining gun gu- machining gun God with your requests, right? See, because the thing you have to remember is that this is the opportunity. Don't move over there. This is the opportunity. It's okay. This is the opportunity in this life to. I forgot what I was going to say because I was thinking about my microphone. Anyway, let's move on. Number two. Let God do all the work of connecting. This is that moment you're sitting there. How intentional do you think God is about connecting with you? How good at it is he? I mean, like, we kind of have to give him time. You know, it's just like tonight, we're worshiping, we're having this moment, but I can feel just that moment he just wants to dance over us. I don't know what you were experiencing, but he just wanted to love on us, you know, and, and so their prophetic playing is just like prophetic words. It accomplishes something in me without me striving to get it. I don't know how good you are though at receiving. Cause see, you might be like, Oh, I got to do something here. I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. Right. So she said, she calls this abiding. As you sit and abide, imagine holding the burden or the blessing in an open hand. This is not an open hand. I like to see how far I can get my fingers away from it. This is how I do it with him. I'm not like, I don't know. I'm kind of, right? I had a funny story there, but I'm going to skip it. Um, imagine holding it in in your open hands. And he said, this creates an invitation for God to interact with you about that situation, about those things. See, can you, do you, can you at all see a different position you can take with God? This is just an open invitation to try to interact with God in different ways. If you feel yourself being a little snagged it, stagnant interacting with God then try something new yeah. I, love I love it she said if you find yourself in an uncomfortable emotion and it's hindering your ability to connect include it in your hand yeah. I'm having a hard time I'm very uncomfortable how many have that with God don't raise your hand see part of creating Opportunities for God lowers 
this uncomfortability with him. Isn't he the craziest thing in the world we would be uncomfortable with? So that must mean there's something in our mind about him that we were told or taught that's not him. Because he's the great pursuer. And he lives in you. So to think he doesn't know stuff you're doing and thinking. Why would we go through that exercise of hiding or being distant from him? When he's like, do you like... Dude, I'm like living in here. Like, you can't get away from me. So I want to have as much interaction and vulnerability with him. I love to just be repentant about everything I can think of. I love to just tell him every way I'm feeling, every way I'm frustrated, every way I'm happy. I just love to tell him everything about me as if he already knows. You know, I'm the one that's allowing him to know me. Because there isn't anything about me he doesn't know. So any of that hiding stuff is just an exercise you're doing. And it's futility. I mean, it just is, it's an irrelevant exercise. And then she said, he will show you what he has instead. He will. I promise you 100% if you do this tiny little exercise, four tiny little steps. In the moment you're emotional, especially. You know, what's funny is we always want some other thing to make us feel get better, then we'll go to God. It's like, I want to get myself all tidied up, then I'll go. No, just go ugly. You know, the thing about God, you have to understand, is that Jesus was a man, right? And so he had emotions too, right? And I just preached on one on Sunday, how he exhibited one, right? Went to to the temple. And he, and he was reestablishing the standard of God. Okay. I got one more little commercial. You ready? This is called the emotional cycle. And here's what she says. Emotions are meant to move. Do you love that? Like the steep hill of a roller coaster, emotions have a natural cycle. Come on, let's agree with that. Let's just, I know you don't like it, some of you. But listen, this go. This is in you. This is going on in you. You can deny it all you want, but er, this is you, okay? Often a rapid rise and a gradual fall. Agreed? The intensity of any emotion starts at a one. She, I don't know if you can see it there on her little chart, but it's not the fun people with their hands in the air. It's down there at the bottom. And it can rise to a maximum of 10, right? Next slide. As you ride, sorry, we already got that. Yes. As you ride the emotion up the hill of intensity, your discomfort increases. Can we agree with that? How many have had any emotional situations this week? Can you relate to, look, almost everybody in the room, but Pam, because she's got her emotions. Oh, you did. <laughs> this is going on, right? Yes. Do you remember? Can you think back to when you're having your fun emotional outburst or expression, right? So discomfort increases. So it's helpful to remember 
that if you allow the cycle to take its course, the intensity of an emotion does not last longer than 20 minutes. That's cool, right? I know you freaked out and thought you were going to actually be frozen in this state (laughs) forever, right? Like, I'm going to forever. Isn't it weird how, I mean, you can feel really, right? Next slide. Emotions do, in fact, have a beginning, a middle, and an end. That's all that's going on. This is all that's going on. Everyone does it. Make it just common. Right? How many have felt like your emotions were bad when this happens? Oh, great. So we can all have a paradigm shift right now, right? Do you understand this is, just say it, this is the way I like to say it. I say this to Christy a lot. She's just not acquainted with emotions like I am. They haven't met a lot. I'm introducing her to things in her. This is your emotion. This is actually yours, right? Just not acquainted. Why? For various reasons. We all were taught different things about emotions. This is all information that's coming out in the last 10 years or so. Think how cool it is to be you. Remember the people that raised you that had no idea about this? None. Zero. Zero. Did not even know this stuff existed. Have you ever tried to talk with someone that doesn't know this existed? And it's funny, isn't it? Because it's like Stonewall, right? Here's another little slide. Although emotions have a beginning, middle, and an end, you can override the natural cycle. That's good news, right? See, because most of us were just letting it rip chip. That's all we know to do. Just whatever, right? Too often, we feel so uncomfortable, excuse me, with the heightened feelings that we try to escape or numb the emotion. Anybody been doing that? That's no good. You know why that's no good? Because then there's people you want to interact with and you can't because you're all numbed up. It's kind of like getting anesthetic. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone who's completely out? Right? Completely out, gone, zip, zero. Next one. But... When we opt out of the natural emotion cycle, our bodies, minds, and relationships take a hit. So what's happening? This is my infomercial right here. Over time, not completing the cycle, the emotional cycle over time, getting stuck on the hill can create burnout, chronic fatigue, sleeplessness, depression, anxiety, and contribute to addictive behaviors. This is really what's going on for more of us than we know. Because we did, we just didn't, that shouldn't be stuck together that over time, but over time, not completing the emotional cycle, right? So over time, so that means it doesn't happen the first time. It happens over time as you do the same thing over and over and over and over and over, you begin to feel these other things. Why? Because your body needs to go through this cycle, right? Next one, in the past... We felt so threatened by the feelings that we ran away, stuffed them, fought back, used destructive behaviors to cope, mentally checked out, or that big word, I'm going to die. Right? Anybody ever felt that emotional? Who has felt like you were going to die? 
from an emotion. <laughs> Think of it. It feels silly, doesn't it, when you're on the other side of it? Yes. And think about what you do when I'm going to die phases are going on. There ain't nothing good going on there, right? So she said, don't get stuck on the roller coaster. The first step to regulating emotions involves awareness. What am I doing right now? This is me giving you awareness to something that you didn't know before. Whether you go and reread it and practice any of this, I'm not going to be checking on you. This is your tool. I'm giving you a tool in your handbag of life for you to actually practice with the people that know and love you the most, right? So I love this next little thing. She says, with new understanding and these new skills, we can tolerate these emotions and actually use them to take steps forward in our healing and growth. Let's use them for what they're supposed to be used for. I love this little one. She says, pro tip, pro tip. Don't make decisions when your emotional intensity is above a six. When the emotion has subsided to a more manageable level, you will have the clarity to make wise decisions. Got it? So she gave us three little slides. Let's look at those. Number one, it's the emotional cycle. What behaviors do you engage in to avoid feeling your emotions and writing them out? Are these hard questions? Right? How does cutting off the natural rise and fall of an emotion through this behavior keep you stuck in unhealthy patterns? If you can answer these questions, especially with your mentor, you're going you're gonna to have some cool success coming. Remember, God gave you emotions. We're just unacquainted with what to do with them. Right? It's like we have something that makes us do something we're uncomfortable with. But you can actually learn something from this exercise, okay? Yeah. Number two, at what level of intensity and or minute of time do you usually cut off the natural pattern and try to escape the feeling? <laughs> you know, do you know what she's talking about? Yeah. Great. Notice how you're responding to the emotion. Become more aware of what's going on in your mind like racing thoughts and in your body like physical tension. Observe your behaviors or actions. You know, the really cool thing about this is that this only works with people who want to try. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you're married to somebody and they're not going to try this, don't try to make them. Because if you're not going to try, it's not going to work. You can't make somebody want to look at what they're doing. Yeah. I know you may want that for them, but they have to want it. So if you're not going to even try, then this is going to be another tool that just goes flying by that you said, yeah, cool, but you didn't actually implement it. And so then when come time, when the time comes and everybody's like, hey, I've changed so much emotionally, you're going to be like, yeah, I didn't try. Yeah. Right? It's not a good feeling. Not a good feeling. Not a good feeling. Number three, last one. What natural movements can you make to release the physical tension? Walk, breathe, run, hug. The emotional tension, cry, create, express. And what are several things you do that make you feel relaxed and calm? How can you invite God into this process? And how might others help you in this process? Y'all are going to be talking about this on Friday night. So there you go. All right. That's all my infomercials. But I have some definitions for you this evening. 
So the other day I was discussing with the Holy Spirit some things that he was bringing to my attention, and it was a fun little discussion. It kind of goes like this. That's my side of it. Just in case you were wondering what that rousing conversation looked like. Uh-huh. It's just, that's when you see me doing that. I'm getting a download and nothing else matters. And so he was dialoguing with me and, you know, he dialogues with me, shows me pictures and he shows me for instances. And then he says, you go search out a matter. So I did. But the thing that came to me was, um, it actually started, uh, Chrissy had a dream and I don't even know fully how that dream catapulted me into this, but it just did. Um, but what I began to think about was this, he made this statement to me that we cannot have an outcome based mentality to bear fruit. And so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, right. Because I was thinking, oh, well, I think when people hear God's a rewarder, then we think humanistically. Remember, remember, all things about God are supernatural. They're supernatural definitions and actions and results. So please try to remember to not take humanistic viewpoints and definitions and try to make them work in the kingdom. They're, I tell you this all the time. They're, com- they're two completely different systems, and you're going to be frustrated. In fact, you're going to say to God, you don't do what you say, when he's saying, oh, no, you're not doing what I said. Right? And so whenever I thought about that, I thought, well, I need to figure out what outcome-based mentality really is and so i looked up a couple articles and i stumbled on this one article and i i didn't pick it for any reason it wasn't a christian person who wrote it or anything it was just an article about when the obama administration went into office they made a decision that they were going to produce all these programs and they were going to measure them by this outcome-based mentality and it the article went on to say 10 things that happened because of this that made it all a failure. But one of the things that it said, and I'm not going to list all the 10, but one of the things that it said was that it created the cream of the crop syndrome. And I wrote this statement down. It said, the Obama administration chose to develop programs by this outcome-based mentality. Many pitfalls happened, but one was the cream of the crop syndrome where to make sure the programs look good, they chose candidates of a higher caliber to pad the numbers so it would look successful. And so not to go into all of the dynamics of that, but can you see that that kind of mentality or work ethic is about personal success, personal achievement, personal power. And so the definition that God wanted me to revise again or re-addendum, put an addendum on there, is the fruit reward syndrome mentality of the kingdom, right? Because I, this, is, this is what he told me, that using the power uh, and the resources of the kingdom 
are to serve and make Papa a success, not us. And the outcome-based mentality only has the ability to use your power. If you could ever make that exchange and say, okay, I can be successful as a human being using my own power. That's the cool part about being made in his likeness. Even people that don't even call him God, even people that say they're atheists, even people that serve another little G. They have measurements of success, but we're not using those measurements. So if I come and say, hey, you know, you need to shore that up in the motherhood, fatherhood, sisterhood, brotherhood, uh, in the hood. (laughs) Sorry. No. Then I'm not saying that you're a failure at all things. I'm saying that in the supernatural world of the kingdom, there's a different measurement and you want it to be the measurement, not whoever is the worst person you can think of that didn't do it as good as you're doing. That's what we do in parenting all the time. We've picked some person who maybe our own parents and we just say, well, at least I didn't. That's, that is this padding thing. We're using a model, a standard that was based on a different humanistic outcome mentality. And that's not fruit bearing or reward bearing in the kingdom. It's just not. So I love this. Um, I'm going to read a little bit out of Lana's book that I've been um, reading. I almost changed and had us do her book, but then the Holy Spirit told me just to talk about it on Wednesday nights instead. So, but she made this statement: "There's a danger that can be fall that we can fall into in this new era." Her whole book, the title of it is called "New Era." It's about all the new things that God's doing right now in 2021. And she said, "Through what God is going to do, and that is to make signs, wonders, and miracles the main thing." Jesus is the main thing. Nothing else. But Jesus and seeing his name glorified. We have to remember that our destiny is that, is to make Jesus known through a human. It's not to make the human known. And so we can attempt to do that, and we can do that for long periods of time. We can do that all of our lives. We can feel so insignificant all of our lives and not know anything that God says about us. And we will pursue and pursue and pursue our own selves feeling good and famous and successful. That is this outcome-based mentality. But see, I'm not using Jesus as the standard. See, you don't need to be nervous to use Jesus as the standard because you have this benefit of the Holy Spirit living in you. And He's an active force in you, giving you power to change, giving you power to do something with your change. You do realize that the first step is He wants you to change. But He wants you to do something with your changed self. It's not to be on a proverbial wreck. Rat will just changing, changing, changing with no output whatsoever. So see, if I have an attitude that I change, then I should be able to take that new attitude and I should be able to infuse it somewhere. Just like if I have something I've repented of, then I should be able to take that that 180 turn and apply it to something new, right? We agree? (sighs) Breathe. It says God is going to take 
the focus of man out of the body of Christ in many ways in this new era and put it all back on Jesus. Now, I don't really think I have a problem in this area. Do you? I mean, you just have, it's just a question. You know, if, if, if you have anything in you that doesn't want him to make, that doesn't want your entire life to be spent making him known, then you're not doing the God destiny. You're doing, we, a lot of times we want the benefit of the good feeling of knowing that we know what we're to do with our lives without actually the sacrifice of doing what he wants us to do with our lives, right? What's the benefits of it? The benefits of it, he said you'd have joy, peace, you'd have all these fruits, you'd have all this blessing, you'd have all this protection, you'd have everything, you'd have this favor, you'd have this anointing, you'd have this authority. I mean, that's a big old ball of goodness, right? And so she said that God's heart is to bring the church deeper and back to this place of making Jesus the main thing. Now, I don't think that we have a problem with that around here, but it's just like whenever I talk about, we were talking about this in the car, whenever I talk about, well, you got to pray for a thousand people, you know, before maybe you see your first miracle or whatever, my focus isn't on keeping track of how many people I've prayed for. My purpose, my focus of that comment was get started. My focus of that comment was, well, just get moving that direction. And then when it doesn't work out, go back to him. The purpose is I want to be an outflow of what he said I could do. That's just how I see it is. I just want to do what he said I could do. And I know I'm not good at all the things he said I could do. And so I want to keep practicing and keep asking him why it's not working. You know, I think we, I grew up in a church was like, well, we don't want to practice too much because then somebody will think we're not of God because we fell a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all didn't go to that church, did you? <laughs> okay, I wanted to read you a couple things from her book. But first, I want to read you this snippet from the feeler book. I forgot I wanted to read this. I love that I've been reading some snippets from the feeler guy. What's his name? Uh, James Cole. Anyway, he, I just thought this was cool. He said that um, Paul Cox is a, was a friend of his, or is a friend of his, and he said that he saw these rooms in heaven. He saw a library, the recovery room, an armory, a council room, a cupbearer room, an Esther room, a seer room, a scroll room, Rooms dedicated to worship, equipping, rest, strategies, inventions, promises, travail, and the glory of God. Isn't that great? I just thought it would be good, again, to remind us of all these amazing things in heaven. Because why? God wants us to make earth look like heaven. Right? Okay. So I read to you last week about coming up higher. Do you remember? And I read and I talked to you about endurance. Does anybody remember that? Okay, great. This is come up higher part two. Okay. So instead of endurance tonight, we're going to talk about unprecedented and accelerated answers to prayer. So that that's what's going on in this era right now. This is going on currently right now. So I think that's why it's so important that we understand how important prayer is. Have you changed the way you pray? Has anybody changed the way you pray? 
just think about it that if I like to look at it like this, that if God impresses something on me, whether it be through a pain or a smell or just, you know, a, some wave of a feeling that's going on in a room, none of that is he doing for me to just discount. It's a privilege in that moment that you're enough aware that you can smell something's not right. And let me just tell you, it's up to you to learn what to do with how he moves upon your spiritual gift. Now, see, the crazy part is, is you can you can totally discount it all you want, but it follows you forever. You can't turn that thing off. There's no light switch. Right? She said this. She said, the Lord showed me that we have entered the era of accelerated answers to prayer. She says, I sat with the Lord seeking his heart, and the Lord told me to include a prophetic word. I'm going to read in just a minute. She said, this word is, is so important for us to keep remembering. And she said, this is an era when you will see astonishing answers to prayer. I love that, don't you? Yeah. Now, she quotes Psalm 65, which I read from a little bit earlier, but this is what, he, what it says. You answer our prayers with amazing wonders, and with all inspiring displays of power. You are the righteous God who helps us like a father. Everyone, everywhere, looks to you, for you are the confidence of all the earth. What jaw-dropping, astounding power is yours. You are the mountain maker who sets them all in place. Is that awesome? I mean, if you're wanting to see prayers answered you need to get in touch with what he is going to do with your prayers this is not like well he's probably not going to do anything with this this is like no this is what i'm here i'm here to pray this and this is going to happen right she goes on to say that god has been speaking to me about how we as the body of christ have entered into a new era where we shall see astounding answers to prayer on a grander scale she said that the the uh, definition of astounding, I love this. It was amazing, astonishing, blindsiding, sighting, dumbfounding, eye-opening, flabbergasting, jarring, jaw-dropping, jolting, shocking, startling, stunning, stupefying, surprising. That's what God's wanting to do. Y'all should be really excited about that. That God wants humans... If my people who are calling, they will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. Humans to pray so he can do this. So you'll be what? She said, God's, God is going to answer prayers in astounding ways. God's power and strength in answer to prayer is going to be demonstrated in jaw-dropping ways. She also said that the Lord began to show me that Many in the body of Christ who have had significant opposition to their prayers and petitions being answered, that the enemy's been fighting hard, coming against the promises of God to bring delay. Now, you know, there's a scripture, I don't know, she said in Daniel, about how that Daniel prayed and then he said that he was, um, he was fighting with the prince of Persia. You know, that's what the angel said. You know, I've been delayed with my prayers, remember? So she said, the power of delay is breaking in significant ways off the body of Christ. 
And we have entered a new era when we shall see astounding answers to prayer. God is going to show us power and strength like we have never seen before. Do you believe it? Well, if you believe it, then you've got to begin. I love how Graham says it, to begin to craft prayers with God. You see, you've got to ask him what he wants to do in a situation. That's why we're doing the alignment book. He tells every story you can imagine. He is Mr. Storyteller about all these amazing things he's seen happen. Why are we reading it? So you can begin to believe for bigger things. So you can begin to believe that somebody's going to come and just lay their head on your chest and say, I haven't hugged anybody for a year. And you're going to be the one. Yes. She said, the battle has been so intense over these answers to prayer manifesting your life because they are the most life-changing answers to prayer you have ever received. Don't pray small. Don't do no begging prayers or fear prayers. Set in the seat of faith. Remember, we've talked about that before. Those three seats of prayer. Listen, there is way too much information out there for you to not know how to pray. Honestly, it is just true. Just get you off your mind. See, the funny thing is, is that to get you off your mind, you've got to focus on him. Because if you're just focusing on trying to get you off your mind, you're just thinking more about you. you you've got to set your focus on something else. That's what I love. She Let me jump over here. She said... She said that we've got to throw off distraction. That's what that is. Whenever you're so focused on you and how you feel and how you hurt and what you're doing, what you did today, you keep, you're keeping track, you're so focused on you. The only way to get that off of you is to focus on what's on his heart. And see, he gives supernatural energy, supernatural provision for what he wants done. So you're never going to lose sleep or energy or strength or nothing. We're way too focused on the comforts. He is the life giver anyway. He's the sleep giver anyway. He's the one that energizes you anyway when you go to sleep. He's the night gardener. You're not. She said, we have to get fierce with distractions in this new era because the enemy will continue to do all he can to distract you from living in the place you need to with bold faith. Got it? Okay. Let's go back. She said it's birthing time because the enemy is attempting to hinder prayer time. So interesting enough, on this drawing that we're working on about the seal of one life, it's a pregnant woman from Revelations 12. And so see, this is birthing time. Whoever has an ear, this is birthing time. This doesn't mean for y'all to go out and get pregnant. This has nothing to do with that. This is birthing time. This is birthing time in the supernatural arena. Got it? Gwen, don't be doing that. The enemy is attempting. I saw her look over at Colleen. They had to give each other a look. The enemy. uh See, this is how easily I can't even keep a crowd, you know. Come on, I only have three minutes. The the enemy is attempting to hinder prayer times, push through and intentionally intercede through the distraction and the fog. It's birthing time. Got it? 
He said to me that it was an assignment for the enemy to bring heaviness, distraction, fog. Anybody had any of that? Okay, well, listen, just speak to it and tell it to go. Don't wrestle with it. Don't try to figure out why you're foggy. Tell it to go. So let's practice. Go. See that, how hard that is? Right, just name it and make it go. You've got authority. Right? See, what we do is we spend all... Okay, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have time for that. Or anything he can do to hinder the prayers of the saints to arise. Remember, because the prayers are what? They're filling the bowls. You get it? So why? that's why he wants to make you like, well, mine don't mean anything. Well, maybe your bowl has 100 cups and you've only got 95 in there. You don't know what's going to happen with five more cups. It's going to spill out over onto a situation you've been crying out for for a long time. God is, his arm is not short. Whatever is important to you is important to him. You just got to make him the main thing. Don't make the thing that's important to you more important than him. Everybody in this room has somebody they wish that knew God better, wish treated them better, wish were nicer to them, wish all this stuff. That's not the focus. He said the en- she said the enemy is coming against prayer times, prayer ministries, and prayer groups to attempt to bring a hindrance because the time of birthing of major answers to prayers upon us. Wow. This is the last push for many individuals, families, churches, workplaces, cities, and nations that see major fulfillment of his promise of long-awaited places. She said the answers hang in the balance. There is a major battle over these answers being released upon the earth, but the Lord is giving the keys to the victory. The enemy is doing everything to stop these answered prayers being released, but God is going to show himself strong. He's inviting us to join with him. He's looking for those who will continue to intercede and take him at his word. He is looking for those who will remind him of his word. Do you ever do that? Do you ever say, God, you said? Do you ever say, God, you said? Well, you better be quoting it right. You better, you know, that's, I'm so misquoted, it's, 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 it's almost disturbing. <laughs> How much, uh, the emotion is, I know, we're at a six, I know. Quoting Teresa at a six, I know, don't do it. She said, the body of Christ is about to move into the greatest time of being positioned to release the thundering sound upon the earth. Jesus is the answer. That's the thundering sound. Jesus is the answer. And his wisdom and strategies are the answer. She said, don't be tempted to lay down your sword. Hold tight and fight. It's another thing on our seal is a shield and a sword. We got, we're busy. We're brides. We're busy. We're industrious. And all hours. She said, this is a Kairos time, the time of fulfillment and a destined time that we've been anticipating. Have you been anticipating it? Because I have. He said, his glory and majesty will be revealed through these answers to prayer and will be blinding and nothing will stay the same. Everything will change as he manifests himself as the line of Judah, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's another thing we're putting on there is the line of Judah is on our shield. 
So you know, these are just things that we stand for that, that should represent what we're trying to do out there in the world. Got it? She said, push, push, push. Worship is the key to break the haze trying to keep you from the place of intercession. Stay in the place of intercession and faith. Let nothing distract you. She keeps saying that over and over and over. Can you tonight identify your place of distraction that keeps you from believing and praying the way that God has commissioned you to do? You're, you have a commission from God. You know, I tell Mendel this all the time. She's not an intercessor. I'm not an inter intercessor. But we war with our words and with our prep through the Holy Spirit to deliver the freedom of God through the seed of the word. And so, you know, the enemy tries to get her captivated all the time, you know, why is in the intercession thing. And I'm like, no, this is your place. See, you've got to wield and you've got to use your sword the way he commissioned you to do it. I'll just say this. If you're a man in this room... You are supposed to be a protector. God established you to be a protector. So that means you're battle ready no matter if you feel like it or not. And so, you know, you got to remember that God has given us all these roles. Women have a role. Men have a role. When we operate in a role, then we actually see the kingdom of God move forward. She said that, that this is your greatest days are coming that this is an era where you leave the past behind. So I just wanted to pray a closing prayer over that. Not a closing. I'm not done talking, but listen, just tonight, just, I just saw today in the spirit. I don't know, but you know, in those, um, movies where there's a big wall that comes down and it just boom it lands and everything behind it gets blown away i just saw that today that this is a time that he is just laying down this line this heavy wall this heavy gate whatever and it is totally making the past go away and it's, he's just saying this is a new era nothing's going to be the same because he said it he said you're stepping into something new so just step into it like i said just walk on through and he is putting a close to things from the past she said God is closing the chapter on what was listen everything that you thought it was going to be I don't care what I can name because all of y'all told me your stuff that you thought of the way it was going to be it is not going to be that way so stop wishing for that and move forward with God he's going to bring something more amazing than that little thing you hoped for that was actually like a half of an ice cream cone I'm, you know, I'm just not eating ice cream cones right now, so. <laughs> the things that have held you captive have captured you, contained you, intimidated you. That's, that's it. He is bringing you into the new in what he is doing. What he is doing, what he is doing, what he is doing. This is the new beginning. The Lord showed me a mighty wave of deliverance that will crash into the body. See, I felt like today when the girls prayed for these people, I felt like that's what God was saying to me, that this is a season of great deliverance, that I believe that Desrim is going to see the greatest change. And I believe that God is actually intersecting us right now with people that are going to promote and move us forward even as a tribe. And I just feel like this is a season that you got to partner with what God is doing. And the old is gone. It's just gone. He is God is crashing in like a big wave and he is going to do what he's 
said in Joel 2, this in the last days, he said that this is what's going to happen, that Whoa. he is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. That means you're going to walk into somebody's house who's got the museum house who believes that they think this one thing, and he's going to crash in, and Jesus is going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. So a wave of deliverance, she said, is coming, and it's ushering people into freedom like they've never known before. I just think you need to realize tonight, God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free from all that stuff that you thought it was going to be like. Right? And He wants you to move into this era with Him. She said that... Um, sorry, I'm trying to fast forward. She said, the Kairos time has arrived already. You're moving into the place of occupying. Yeah. Now see, this is the difference. Let me help you here. Whenever the children of Israel came out, God intended that to be out of Egypt. Y'all, I tell, talk about this a lot. God intended that to be a 10-day journey. And see, I believe that's true. I believe that if today you need deliverance, I believe that He wants it to be a 10-day journey starting today. I'm just prophesying over you that those who need a place of deliverance, that in the next 10 days, that He's going to deliver you in places that you've never been before. It just depends on if you agree with me or not. But the, because He wants you to be prepared to occupy the promised land, because in the promised land is everything you dreamed of, but it is a place of stewardship. It is a place of work. It is a place of ridding things out of it that are actually got your stuff. Do you understand that the giants that were in the promised land, they had their stuff. God already gave them the promised land. God has already given you a promised land, and giants are inhabiting your stuff. And so God said that if you will go with him, he will move out those giants. Or you, if you don't do it in this next 10 days, he says it's going to be a lot harder work because, see, that's what he wanted to do with the children of Israel. He said he would move out the giants, but when they didn't do it, they had to go move them out. And that's the difference. Do you hear me? Yes. This is the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, may not be the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> this is the era when the demonstration of his faithfulness through your life will be louder than ever. Yes. <laughs> this is the restoration, recompense, retribution, and justice of God to be demonstrated for you. Do you need that? Let's stand. So, Papa, right now, we are partnering with you right now, and we are saying this word is about us, and we are saying to astound us with demonstrations of your faithfulness in unprecedented ways. We just say that right now, from this point, everything changes. Speak that over your life. Come on. Husbands and wives, join together right now and say, right now, everything changes. Everything changes. Right now, everything changes. Right now, everything changes. Health changes. Finances changes. Everything changes. In the name of Jesus right now, Papa, I just speak to our futures. And I speak to our futures as a family. And everybody in here that we are joining together right now, we are believing this word. And we say, come up higher to our soul, to our spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay